Welcome to our Making History Parenting Podcast. My name is Chase Baker, and with me is Jennifer Akers. Now today, we are going to tackle a, a difficult subject within our culture. It's gonna be the subject of pornography, such a major issue within the family unit and also within the church. So this is a major issue, like you said, within our culture today, and it's got um, really deep emotional, physical, and spiritual consequences. So we know that technology can be helpful, it can be a really good thing, but we also know that in this very digitally driven world that we live in, um, there's also a massive industry that anyone with a smart device can access. That's right, and today we just wanna start off with give you, giving you some statistics. Mm -hmm. So this is every second. So every second, over 28,000 users are watching pornography on the internet. And every second, over $3,000 are spent on pornography on the internet. And 372 people are typing the word adult into their searches. Okay, so that's every second. Let's look mm -hmm. at every day now. So every day, 37 pornographic videos are created in the United States. Every day, 2.5 billion emails containing porn are sent or received and every day, 68 million search queries are related to pornography that are generated. Those stats are staggering mm -hmm. for us. I think one of the most staggering stats that we found is the average age for kids who are, who are exposed to porn are between eight and 11. Yeah. And, and so some more stats that we found uh, are almost all men and majority of women are at least exposed to porn by the time they are adults. One study done in 2008 of 560 college students found that 62% of girls and 93% of boys encounter porn by, porn by the time they are 18 years of age. And that was 10 years ago. That was 10 right? years ago. And so Protect Young Minds, um, a company that has done lots of research, says that 10% of visitors to porn sites are younger than 10 years old. Mm. Covenant Eyes, another great organization, reports that 64% of men and 15% of women who are self-identified Christians look at porn at least once a month. So this conversation that we're having today, it's, it's to help you, the parent, it's to help you navigate this um, major issue within the phases of your kid's life. So join us as we continue this conversation today. Welcome to our Making History podcast today where we are having a conversation with Sherman Booker. So Sherman is a professional counselor and director of groups at Daystar Counseling Ministries in Nashville, Tennessee right here. And he has 19 years of experience working in full-time youth ministry and counseling with middle school and high school students. So he received his bachelor's in psychology at the University of Tennessee and his master's in counseling at Trevecca Nazarene University. So now Sherman, I know you live in Franklin now and you um, are married to Aaron and you guys have three kids and we're just so excited that you're here to with us today to talk about this issue. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. It's yeah. good to be with y'all. Yeah, it's really good. I'm, I'm, I'm excited that you're here with us and and just knowing your background, um, good good friend of mine, we actually got a chance to go to the Amazon. Um, yeah. We do a pastor's conference every year, our church does, and we get to go hang out with jungle pastors and their wives, crazy in the middle of the Amazon. And you spent so much of your time with um, in one-on-one -on -one sessions with these pastors and their wives in, in counseling situations. So, man, I'm grateful for the work that you do, that Daystar Counseling does, just really um, significant within, you know, our culture today and specifically in, in our area, just the great work that you guys do for families. And so 
to begin this conversation, it's a difficult one, right? Yeah. We, it's, it's so pervasive <clears throat> in our culture, in our society. It's really been overwhelming. So um, why don't you talk to us a little bit about what pornography looks like nowadays? Yeah. You know, and give us an overview of what kids are experiencing today and what they're being exposed to. Yeah. Thanks, Chase. Um, uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it's a new landscape. And I think that one of the you know, to kind of give a couple, like, stories or a couple of just visuals, you know, I mean, it, it, you'd hear a lot of stories uh, 15, 20 years ago or, you know, people in their 30s and 40s now who said, you know, it was like going into the woods and seeing a barn and finding an old magazine or, yeah. you know, <clears throat> at a friend's house and, you know, um, seeing something on HBO or, you know, it was real static. Um, and it's, it's not static anymore. Um, sometimes with families, I'll use the analogy of, it's the difference of building your house in a subdivision that's a couple miles away from the interstate um, where there's a lot of buffers and there's a lot of barriers and there'd be a lot of intentionality for a kid to walk to the interstate versus building it on I-40. And it's just right out your front door. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just, um, and, and it also finds you now. So it used to not be something that was um, uh, typically uh, generated towards uh, younger generations, but it, there is a, a market of pornography, unfortunately. It's mm. sad. Um, and it's um, it's built, and it is working hard to find and to keep itself um, going. Right, and the stats are just overwhelming. Yes. Uh, how many yeah. people are exposed to it, yeah. the, the industry, billions of dollars that yeah. go into this industry to you know get it out. And yeah. so, yeah, it's really staggering, for sure. Mm -hmm. So looking at that now, <clears throat> what actually happens to the sexual development of an individual when they're exposed or stimulated um, by pornography? What does that look like, maybe scientifically kind of speaking? Mm -hmm. and what does that look like for, uh, for your brain? Yeah, so if we kind of take a little bit of a field trip into the brain uh, for a minute, uh, a couple things are going on. And I also will say a couple things that are different than what went on you know, again, 20, 30 years ago. Because, um, again, there's nothing new under the sun, right, Ecclesiastes. Um, but it's it's a new kind of the same issue that we've always been dealing with at, I'd say, at a much higher rate and a much more intense rate. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so with pornography and with uh, the brain specifically, um, a couple things. Um, one, uh, you know, all the feel-good neurotransmitters, again, big words that really just mean, you know, feel goods, right? Just right. the things that God's put in our brain to go, oh yeah, right, we, we have dopamine and serotonin when we pray. Um, th that, that goes off in the brain. Um, but it also goes off in the brain with sex, um, and that's a good thing. Uh, but it also goes off in the brain with pornography. Mm. And so as kids are curious and wondering and have more access to things than ever, um, they're also their brains are learning and, and firing, right? Firing with that, that looks good, that seems good, that seems right. Um, so, we're, so it's training the brain of, of what to like. Uh, and unfortunately, what will happen is the brain um, starts to get into a pattern, just like you and I would get into a pattern on anything. And uh, if that pattern starts to become threatened, the brain is like, whoa, hold on, mm. time out. We don't, we don't, this is the new norm, right? Like. Uh, the new norm might be for a kid like I, I look at pornography when my parents aren't home you know so right. even the the scenario of my parents are gone like it triggers the like oh this is what we do so it's different in that capacity now where there's so much more access uh, at any given point anywhere yeah. um, but specifically with the brain uh, we um, uh, dopamine uh, will fire and reinforce patterns and, and, and triggers in that way. Um, the difference between uh, 
seeing something in a book or a magazine uh, versus now internet and uh, and really not internet but beyond just a computer right cell phones iPhones smartphones um, is uh, the average user is one looking at more content than they ever were they're looking mm -hmm. at they have an availability to more intense content than ever before again really sad things right that we're talking about but they're also staying on it longer yeah. and so if you kind of think of uh, you know the, the rate of dopamine is higher right so it's more intense and uh, it's flooding the brain longer mm. uh, and so that is sort of where you might hear words like oh like addiction to pornography or just trapped in a cycle it's because the brain is just being flooded mm -hmm. um, with dopamine uh, and again at such a pivotal age of brain development and what we know right. in kids um, where they may have a little bit of understanding of framework sexually, they may have no understanding of framework right. sexually. Um, and this and seeing something on the internet literally might be their first understanding of what sex even is, which is so yeah. distorted right. and perverted and wrong. That's right, that's right. So. And, and even when you, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the you, you watch um, something, yeah. and the next time you go back, you have to watch it a little longer. Yeah to get more, just to have the same stimulus yeah. that's going on, and that that's what leads to the addiction. Yes. Right, okay. So we call that the law of diminishing returns, right? It takes more input to receive the same output of, of dopamine. And, uh, and in my office, uh, a lot of times with boys um, who are maybe saying like, it's not that big of a deal, or it's, it's you know, it was just this or that, you know, I usually kind of talk a little bit about like, okay, well, let's just walk down the road a little bit and look at a bit of a progression, you know, mm -hmm. um, that it might start out um, with this or that or here and there, but it can really lead to some really intense um, cycles and behaviors. Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah. Um, okay, now talk to us about the, from a biblical perspective, you know, why is pornography harmful as from a biblical perspective and how does it distort um, God's design for sexuality in our lives. Yeah. Um, well, a couple things. Uh, again, when you look at, uh, when you go back to Scripture and see that uh, sexuality isn't something to uh, be defined, it's something that's defined for us, um, mm -hmm. which I think is a big war in our culture uh, mm -hmm. these days, um, that it is, uh, you know, it's between uh, a man and a woman, it's in the context and the security and the safety um, but also the vulnerability and the intimacy of marriage. Um, and so that's kind of the, the packaging that God said, this is where this plays out. This is who it plays out with. And then even the why it plays out, um, obviously for you know reproducing, but also for pleasure um, and for giving. It's a, mm. it's a, it's a gift to each other. Um, and when you then you kind of take that blueprint and you put that filter over pornography, I mean, you start to see how distorted it is that it's, it's something where uh, a kid or an adult um, can come and consume off of mm -hmm. uh, at no expense to themselves, at the expense of someone else, um, in the security and privacy uh, of, a, of a screen or a video um, where they're not giving anything. I tell boys all the time, like, you're giving nothing to mm -hmm. this and you're taking, um, and not in, not in a shame way, but in a, in a convicting way, right? That, um, that the things I've heard in my office of what, uh, of what kids are, um, experiencing what they're trying out, they wouldn't even consider doing um, uh, in, in an actual real-time situation, let alone even just the vulnerability to say, introduce themselves to someone. Sometimes you'll find just almost the opposite. I can't have a real conversation, but I can do something mm -hmm. in a chat room that might 
just floor us, you right. know? So, right. Well, um, you mentioned marriage. You know, yeah. How have you seen the, the effects on a marriage, you know, for those who have been kind of had this journey with pornography early, from an early age or maybe have experience? What, what does that do to our marriages? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think there's certainly this distorted view of, uh, of what sex is. And so if, I'm, if, I'm, if I or anyone else is getting a framework of sexuality from pornography, then when you enter into marriage, there's this comparison. There's this, uh, maybe I don't, maybe I'm just confused mm-hmm. about what sex is. Um, a lot of shame and guilt enters into it as well. Um, I'm so grateful that, that y'all were doing this because even just, and it does feel like we're in the days that we can talk about it and the church can address it yeah. and um, that it's not in the corners uh, where it's like we just have to find private ways to deal with it. Um, and so I think yeah. talking about it's huge, but it, it is, uh, um, it's a big, dis- it's a destroyer of marriage. Yeah. Um, we know that it, uh, even some of the more recent stats show that um, yeah, just marital satisfaction uh, is is less when there's uh, you know one of the one of the partners is you know engaged in pornography. Right. Wow. So, so yeah, it really is. It's a it's a virus, and it just and you know it's part of sin, but it it really it it touches so many parts of our world that we wouldn't think we think of it as like this unilateral act or decision, and it's not. It's really invasive to our life. Well, Sherman, I'm glad you um, are talking about this. I think you're right about um, the church being willing to talk mm-hmm. about it more now because historically those things have been in the dark and mm-hmm. getting these things into the light is what we want to do. And I think we would be maybe surprised, a lot of our listeners would be how many people would have been exposed and are currently struggling with and not just in culture and society but within the the breadth of the church within the life of the church and the people that are struggling with it within the church so um, we've got to have this conversation and and just allow people the freedom to say okay i've been struggling with this how do i how do i deal with it Mm -hmm. and and how do i you know there's freedom in christ right there's Mm -hmm. freedom Mm -hmm. um from from these things when you get into the light and so that's that's the hard part is just trying to get the these things into the light for sure So we've talked about um, an individual and how it affects them, especially yeah. from a young age. We talked about a little bit about how it affects a marriage. Um, let's let's zero in now on the parenting perspective mm-hmm. and talk about um, how how we can help protect our kids when we're looking from this parenting perspective, and maybe even talking about the differences between soft core or soft pornography and hard pornography, and, and mm-hmm. what does that look like, and um, what can parents do right now to help protect their kids? Yeah, yeah. Um. So let me start with like a couple things from like just building a framework of like the difference between uh, you know curiosity and then an ongoing uh, kind of exposure or you know quote unquote addiction, mm-hmm. um, but then also looking a little bit at um, yeah what's our what's our posture towards our kids you know and what do we need to resource ourselves and our kids with um, the average age of exposure now for a kid to see their first his or her not his anymore right it's. Uh, we know the population of females is ever growing on pornography mm-hmm. use, um, and uh, but the average age is eight years old, and so um, you know just a oh. little into second grade, a kid could be getting their first image, and not just uh, a picture of somebody naked or a, a but something that blows their hair back of what they mm. don't even understand, you know. Um, so uh, so I think one thing that we have to understand is that this is really not a adolescent conversation um, anymore. This is really an elementary school conversation. Um, not that we have to fully disclose all that sex is, and again, 
um, we can be honest with our children and prepping them, but knowing that there's conversations to have later mm-hmm. down the road. Um, but it needs to start early. Um, it really does. It needs to start early. And it also needs to start often is the other thing I tell parents is, uh, you know, a lot of times when I'm working with dads, you know, we kind of use the example of like, think of this like just like a NASCAR lap, that you're really building this this rhythm in you and your son's life or, you know, you and your daughter's life. Um, if uh, just to go, hey, we're going to talk about all these things that are coming up in your life and we're going to talk about them, you know, cyclically. We're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to go to, you know, um, like camping once a month and just, or, or once a quarter, maybe not once a month, yeah, right? Yeah. But <laughs> might that's, lose, a might, that's a lot of camping <laughs> and a lot of conversations about sex, right? Uh, but, uh, but yeah, once a, you know, every once in a while, we're going to do something that has this hint of like, oh yeah, we do this, right? Yeah. And it's not the one and done, like, okay, here's the like backpack and everything you need to know about sex go. You good? Right. right? Yeah, yeah. But you know, we've, to start it young, to start it often and to have this kind of continual journey with them to where we're really building a, uh, a road between us and our kids. Um, the one, the other thing we know as parents, uh, for parents to know is that, um, and there's good news in all this too. So we'll, we, yeah, we obviously yeah. we'll get to that, but, uh, that where, uh, where a child receives their information on sex, that becomes the expert. Okay. So if, you know, mom and dad are sitting, you know, them down or, you know, mom, or if it's a single parent family or, or whatever, that if, if there's a, an adult going, Hey, this, this is the design of sex, right? Uh, then, then if they go to school or if they see something uh, on a phone and they're going, Oh, well, that's not what my mom said, or mm-hmm. that's not what my grandma said, or what my uncle said, you know? Right, right. Um, but the other street, right? So if somebody beats them, beats us to the punch, uh, then they're right. going, well, Joey said it's this, you know, and Joey's in second grade and knows nothing, right? <laughs> but Joey's an expert, you know, to, to the eight-year-old. Uh, or, right, or, oh, yeah, but the Internet shows this, so this feels like... Uh, so now we're starting to have yeah. to do, like, to reframe it, you know? So it's really important. Um, it's not uh, it's not crucial in the sense that there's no way back. Obviously, that's the beauty of God's redemption and his restorative work. Uh, but uh, But it is crucial that we get to the... To, to them as quickly as we can to, to help them understand. Yeah, um, yeah, I like that. On. And, um, you know, the, the next question kind of leans towards that because you said you used the phrase early and often, early yeah. and often. I like that um, because I think historically we look at age 13, 14. Mm-hmm. We, then we unload it. <clears throat> yeah. You know, like I don't know yeah. what your sex conversation was like, but mine was not the best, yeah. you know, my parents are awesome, you yeah. know, I love my parents, but I think that was kind of the, uh, an area that was, I would say taboo, but it was, it was hard, it was a hard conversation to yeah. have, but early and often you have these small conversations along the way, then whenever you have to have the big conversation, it does, it's not big, because you've already, you've already had these conversations, yeah. so what, tell us, what, what do we do when our kids have been exposed to pornography, like mm-hmm. what's the conversation that we need to have? What's appropriate conversations for each um, age and stage? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think one thing is uh, uh, just again building those roads so that um, you know I really do want to y- you want to keep hope out to say when and if it mm-hmm. happens, but there is this reality that it is a lot of times more when uh, at times when something and it doesn't have to be something real severe, real explicit. It could just be you know somebody sends them a text with a really inappropriate meme, you know, or, um, and, and we'll get that's to cell point. phones in a minute. Cause I think that's a big, uh, a a big yeah. correlation with a lot of this. Um, uh, but that it's just to, just to sit down and listen and talk first of all, and, and to go, okay, 
you know what, we're going we're gonna to work this out together, and to keep the lines of communication open. Um, one thing I tell parents is if, you know, you see a bunch of history, you know, on your, um, on your kids, uh, you know, Google feed or, or, or whatever, that it, it doesn't mean, oh my gosh, they're addicted to pornography, right? It could mean, I heard things, I wanted to see things. Um, I knew a kid years ago that I worked with, um, and it was just a story of he had heard some things at school, and some things were um, being said, and he just didn't know the context, and so he just went and Googled it, right? And so, and then that led into like a whole right. litany of uh, of content that he wasn't necessarily looking for, but kind of like the rabbit trails of of the internet. So one thing is just to go, okay, it doesn't, doesn't mean addiction. So we don't have to hit, we don't have to like rush them, like throw them into the counselor's office and go, like, right. you know, right. but it does mean, Hey, we need to really have a real conversation and start to go. We, it's going to be real crucial that we set up boundaries and we set up, um, uh, an understanding and an expectation of, of technology in our house. Um, parenting is so key in this y'all of just setting a, mm. uh, um, setting a course that uh, there's a time and a place for technology and there's a time and a place for, for me as the parent uh, to uh, understand what you're doing and where you're doing it and who you're talking to. You know, I have a, a lot of kids in my office that uh, gripe about, like, my mom checks my tech messages or, you know, my dad's, like, looking at my Snapchat. Yeah. Uh, and I'm saying, you know what, the reason that is is because 20, 30 years ago, Snapchat was, like, the basement. Yeah. And right. uh, it was the backyard. And so... You remember when your mom used to walk by your room and just peek her head in and like, what are y'all doing, right? That's the equivalent now because that's where the conversations are happening. That's where the, that's where the, the supervision is needed. Um, mm. And so it's, it's, it's so important for parents to feel that like it's not, there's no right to privacy, that, that they need us as parents to, to jump in and go, I need to know what you're doing and where you're at. Yeah, yeah that's good. Can you actually follow up on that with, um, at the time this is being recorded, I have an eight-year-old. So just from okay. the parent of an elementary age student thinking, the, the question I think I want to I wanna ask for some of our listeners is, is how? How has it gotten younger? And um, not to scare us as parents, mm-hmm. but to help us be more vigilant. Are there, are there scenarios you hear often or um, the access that for the kid that doesn't have a cell phone, is that less likely? Or the kid that um, maybe yeah. doesn't do sleepovers yet, is that less, like, are there right. things as parents that we can just be mindful of maybe for that yeah. younger kid? Absolutely, I've, I've got an eight year old too at home, so I'm having this conversation with my wife and myself all the time, even even to the degree of going, do I really have to start this this year? Like, <laughs> like yeah. I've, I've, I've yeah, said yeah. it, I've preached it, but like, do I, re- I really have to, don't I? Um, I think a couple things. One, we can kind of get into this um, kind of, like I think I know more than I do bias of, you know, he doesn't have a cell phone. She doesn't have a computer. She doesn't have an internet account. You know, she does my eight year old barely even would know what to do if he got on the computer. But it doesn't mean that somebody might not show him something, you know, or that he's at a friend's house who has an older brother who's six years older, an older sister, and that they have friends over, right? So that just the, just the exposure uh, uh, to something, even if they don't have access to it. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Um, I don't think, um, uh, a lot of times, I'm, I mean, I don't see a lot of seven and eight-year-olds who are in my office who have a real severe, um, you know, addiction or who have done a, done a lot. Th- that has happened before. It usually has happened by accident mm-hmm. um, where they've seen something and then right. they haven't been able to get it out of their mind. Yeah. Um, more so, actually, on the anxiety side where they're like, I can't get these images out of my mm-hmm. mind. And so we're actually working on um, just a little bit of anxiety work. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's important to start the conversation even of just uh, of what 
uh, a man and a woman is in body and biology and um, reproduction, just just laying that groundwork and going, there's a lot more, and, and, and establishing that framework to go, hey, when you hear things, come talk to me about it. Like, I'd love to just you know, check our math and go, is that true? Is that not true? And, and have fun with it. I tell parents all the time, and David Thomas at Daystart does a phenomenal job That's of telling great. boys, you know, and, and dads, like, make it fun. You know, um, you know, there is that story like, hey, get in the car, we're going to take a drive yeah, and talk yeah. about sex. That's like, right. oh, you know, but like, go, go do something fun. Make the backdrop fun. Um, you know, take her on a weekend, you know, a girl's weekend or take him, you know, uh, you know, to a different city for a weekend and go to a ball game and, uh, and, and kind of weave that's it good. in. Um, to, is that yes, helpful? Yes, no, that's great. That's so helpful. Yeah. For the listeners that might have a younger kid. Right? Yeah, think yeah. Yes. And I think, so I think it's also helpful to just kind of be ahead of where your kid's at. Mm-hmm. I, I knew a parent in ministry one time that said they used to lead a D group with me, um, but they had real uh, little kids. And I was like, that's so great that you're here. He, and he said, I just want to know where my kids are going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know what the conversations are going to be in five years. So just reading, maybe talking to parents who have kids three, four years older than yours, just to go, hey, wh- where's this headed? Because you're right, as an eight-year-old, a parent of an eight-year-old, I'm headed into conversations and arguments with him in probably three years or less right. about, like, why don't I have a phone? Yeah. And <laughs> that's going to be a, f- yeah. a fun conversation yeah, yeah. to have. But <laughs> that's right. So um, talk to us about resources now. I, I love this part when we get to kind of cover some tools that our parents can just put in their toolkit. Yeah, so what are some resources for um, parents with kids of any age um, mm-hmm. as we're talking about this topic? Yeah, yeah. Um, let me... So a couple couple books that I like um, uh, for for uh, boys, I really like a book called Flight Plan, um, and it's a great book that kind of bakes in um, sexuality and the struggle with lust and uh, you know pornography into the whole design of because right like even when we talk about this like you know we can zero in on the sexuality and and the uh, of what could happen with a kid, but it's it's all part of a bigger identity. You know, I tell kids all the time, you're not just a boy or just someone who is, you know, thinking about sex as a teenager, you're so much more than that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not God's, your identity is not just your sexuality. So flight plan I love because it really deals with just the whole, like, um, coming into being a man and leaving boyhood. So that's a great book uh, for dads and boys to read together. Um, a great one for both would be uh, How and When to Talk to Your Kids About Sex. Um, and I always forget the author's name on this, um, but uh, great resource. Uh, kind of goes through different stages of like what to say at what age great book to read ahead of your kids um as far as uh so i think that resourcing isn't just information now we know it's in the it world you know um it's uh common sense media you guys might be familiar with that we love that when we use that a lot at daystar uh it's got great content as far as knowing what's out there if they're going to go see a movie but also just great resources of how to lock down your home that's great and the idea that like well, our Wi-Fi is secure. Nobody can look at pornography in our house. It's like, well, if they turn off Wi-Fi and get on their cell phone, now they're on Verizon's account. That's and true. so, yeah. you know, just those kind of understandings that we may or may not understand. Um, so common sense media is a great one. Um, one I really like, and I, I use a little bit of a disclaimer because um, they just don't come from a biblical perspective, but they have a lot of good truth about the research done on the brain um, is, is a place called Fight the New Drug, or FTND.com. Uh, and um, they've been really pivotal at getting in the schools uh, across the nation, trying to bring awareness mm-hmm. and, and really making it cool to not look at pornography, kind of for middle school. It's a great resource for middle school and high school students. Yeah. Wouldn't say something to kind of walk your elementary school student through. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, okay. And so, it, especially like, again, we know teenagers, right? Like to the, to the degree that they'll predict you, they'll dismiss you. Melissa says that all yeah, the time at yeah. Daystar. Yeah. So um, if they see me coming a my way of like, we're gonna talk about this, they're gonna be like, get out of here, right? But if it's like, hey, I want you to look at this stuff. I want you to see what other kids are talking about. I want you to see what other celebrities are talking about who aren't even Christians. And they're saying like, this is not good for us. So yeah. it's, a good, uh, it's a good resource there. Always tell parents, vet it out first, though, yeah. um, because there's some stuff in there that I feel like isn't super helpful uh, and doesn't come from a biblical perspective, but yeah. great resource. Well, it's great. Thank you. And uh, all these resources will be on our parenting website and also in the show notes as well. So thank you for all of those. Um, this conversation, we could go on and on. And, yeah. and thank you for, for being here. We yeah. want to have you back at some point we'll to continue to this conversation. But what's one word of encouragement that you can give to our parents today? Um, it's not the end of the story. And that's probably like five words, but um, uh, yeah, it's not, we know that's not the end of the story uh, with uh, that God's got a plan, right? That, you know, Ephesians, right? We're, while we were dead in our sin, God saved us. So um, in, the, in the pit of this, there's hope. Mm. Um, but there's even hope uh, just to even give a, a quick thing, biologically and neurologically, we know so much more about the brain now. And so if I'm a kid who's been exposed to a lot and um, ha- has really distorted views of sex um, and mm-hmm. is walking away from that, um, that we know the brain changes. We know that, that God has built the brain to, um, to be retrained. And we know mm-hmm. that, right, the transforming, transforming, right? Paul talks about that in Romans, the renewing of our minds. That that's actually being seen and researched on the, like, neurological level, which is really cool. Um, and so uh, I'm really encouraged and hopeful that even if you find your kids in a tough place, um, there's so much hope and that there's so much more hope than there is to be afraid. Right. That's great. So that's, that's, awesome. that's a good word. You know, Sherman, thank you again mm-hmm. for taking time yeah. out of your busy schedule. I know that this conversation is important. We're grateful for all the work that you do, all the work that Daystar does in our mm-hmm. our community and um and we 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 love daystar we mm-hmm. i mean providing a, a safe place for kids to be able to come and unload their thoughts and feelings and and be a place of healing and ultimately yeah. I, I love that you guys the foundationally that christ is your focus mm-hmm. and that, that drives the organization mm-hmm. um but you guys are so um so talented and so thank you so much for all the work that, that you guys have done and are continuing to do yeah, yeah. So for our listeners today, you can access all the resources and more um, by clicking on the resources in the show notes or going to our parent resource page at makinghistory.family. So thank you again, Sherman, for being here with us today. And thank you for listening today.